welcome to the Locking Castle Church podcast. This Sunday morning teaching was given as part of the Identity and Purpose series. Good morning. This is my, my second preach of the morning. And I only discovered yesterday that I was speaking, so uh, bear with me. <laughs> You know, it's, it's been an interesting week. It's, I've, I've loved hearing how God's been speaking through uh, this morning's service so far. You know, life is never simple and straightforward, and it's never just one thing, is it? Or it's very rare that it's just one thing. You know, we, we've had a really interesting and challenging week. Um, last weekend, it was Dave's birthday on the Friday, Um, which we spent driving up to Liverpool uh, where we were doing a weekend with a church up there. Um, The couple who lead it used to be in some of the youth work that we did years ago and now they're leading a church, which is fabulous. And they they just said, can you come? We just want some input into our leadership team and and just some encouragement and some fresh vision. So we said, yeah, that's great, we'll we'll come. So we, we went up and spent the weekend with them full on, like Friday night, all day Saturday, Sunday, just fantastic, really good time. Went to see friends who live up there who've been going through a really difficult time on our way back, stayed over with them. Um, Wednesday, went to do some stuff, went to see Dave's mum and dad in Cornwall. Thursday, we were traveling back, going to see a friend who was really ill. Um, and as we woke up that morning, got the news that she died. Um, really, you know, we're, we're, they call us, the children call us the second parents because we've been around so much. And, you know, each one of the, the children has lived with us at different times, um, you know, because mum and dad, he was uh, our Methodist minister for a number of years. And, of course, they had to move on, so we ended up with one or other of the, of the kids with us at different times. And instead of going to see a friend to encourage and pray for her, we, we found ourselves with the family who were mourning. Uh, and we were mourning, too. And then Friday, we were uh, down with some old friends where we used to live, uh, down near Axminster, having a worship night, and Dave and a friend of ours were leading worship, and the presence of God was just incredible. And then yesterday, I get a message from Andy saying, oh, um, Dan, is it? Sam, who's supposed to speak, can't, would you be willing to to do this? And we got a busy evening. um, And and I I just, I need to go away and pray, because... You know, we've just been all over this week. Um, But I I just really felt that it was something that I had to do in spite of the fact that it's my birthday today. So my... (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That wasn't why I said it, but <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> but 
you know, that I'm, I'm just saying, you know, our, our lives are never simple. You know, we've, we've gone from, it's just absolutely amazing and incredible and seeing God at work to grieving, to, you know, being really tired and then, you know, being in the presence of God and then sudden change of plans. You know, but God is with us through it all. We can trust him. We can rely on him. So I want to encourage you, whatever place you're in this morning with God, just take some time. We've been hearing it all morning. Just take some time out and spend it with the Lord. You know, it's, it's a word that's, that's coming to his church over and over and over again. Wherever we go, we hear this call from the Father to his children, come aside and spend time with me. He is longing to speak to you. He's longing for you to come and spend time with him. You know, the voice of the world is growing ever louder. It's trying to form our opinions and our ideas. It's trying to form our identity. But what we need to do is come aside and tune our ear back in again to hear what the Lord is saying, to hear what our Father is saying. You know, we're we're doing a series um, looking at the parables at the moment, but it's to do with our identity who we are in God. Who has he created us to be? And you know, if we don't spend the time in his presence, listening to his voice, then we lose the identity. We lose the the calling on our life that he is trying to speak into us, the identity that he is trying to give us. And we find ourselves being molded and shaped instead by the world and what those around say about us. But you know, the only true voice is the voice of our Heavenly Father. And if we go to him and listen to what he is saying, he will speak the truth of our identity, of who we are in him, of what he's calling us into, the plans and purposes that he has for each one of us. So can I encourage you, even as you, you go from here this morning, whatever your, your week is looking like, I know our week is looking completely crazy again, but keep that determination in your heart to, to set time aside every day to meet with him. And I can tell you, you won't regret it. So we're, we're looking at the parable of the two sons today. That wasn't my message, that was just a bonus. (laughs) You know, the the parable of the two sons, it's an an interesting one. I I said to Andy when he um, messaged me and said, would you speak? I said, what's the passage? And he said, oh, it's the, the parable of the two sons. And I'm like, I've never spoken on that. It's partic- not one of my particular favorites. I've read it, obviously, at some point. I really don't know what it's talking about. Because I thought, oh, it might be something, you know, that I've spoken on before. I can go and find my notes and problem solved, you know? I can, I can go with that, but no. So I said, just 
give me a bit of time. I want to go away and read it and just, just have a look and see if anything begins to speak to me. Um, otherwise, it's on you, Andy. Um, and I was, I'd, I'd really prepared myself to say no, <laughs> because, you know, we were out yesterday as well, didn't get back till 10 o'clock last night, you know, I was planning a lie-in for my birthday, didn't happen, um, so I, I was prepared to say no, but I just didn't feel that I could, um, so... As I began to study this, I began to realize that, that this comes, actually, at a very pivotal moment in Jesus' life and ministry. It's something, something I, I discovered again as I was reading, is that for the last year of Jesus' ministry on earth, he spoke almost completely in parables. Before that time, he taught, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, all these different things that, that we know that he said, and he taught quite plainly. Maybe, you know, they didn't understand it all because it was quite new and quite challenging, but he just taught and threw in an odd parable on the side just to illustrate and explain what he was meaning. But at this point in his ministry, he was teaching almost exclusively by parable. And this really was because of the increasing opposition he was receiving from the Pharisees, from the teachers of the law because they didn't like what it was he was saying. They didn't like the authority that he was walking in. They didn't like the fact that he was challenging them. And so he began to, to speak in parables. And it's very interesting because it, it keeps saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, I, I don't think it's coincidental that the Lord has been speaking to us about coming aside and listening to him. Because the Lord has something to say to you. Something to say to me, but it's not going to come easy. He's calling us to, to go deeper with him in this time. To take time with him, to really get to know him. Now, if we look at the context of this parable, uh, I said in the, the early service, when Dave and I were at Bible college, our principal always used to say, a text without a context is a pretext. In other words, you need to know where it sits. Don't just take a verse out of, out of context and make it prove something that you want to say. You need to look at where it sits in the whole um, story, the whole letter, the whole word. And so this, before we look at this, in some ways, seemingly simple parable, let's go back and, and just look at the context. So in chapter 21 of Matthew, we have 
the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. You know, it was only when I read the Bible from beginning to end one year, a few years ago, that I began to see how the story all slotted in and fitted together. Because, you know, probably like most of you, you know, you read a bit here and a bit there and and you don't really get the whole overview. Um, But these verses slot into this time in Jesus' life coming up to his death on the cross. So we have the triumphal entry as he comes into Jerusalem. And as he enters in, he doesn't come quietly. He's been many, many times to Jerusalem. He's, he's sort of come in, he's done some teaching, he's had meals with his friends, he's gone out again. But this time he comes in and the crowds welcome him. They praise him. They begin to say, cry out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And some of the people were saying, who is this? Who is this? We don't know who this is. And they they were saying, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. He's from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the man. Look at the things that he's done. And there's an excitement from the ordinary people about who this Jesus is. And then after that, Jesus goes to the temple. And for the second time, he clears the temple. He goes in and he upsets the tables of the, of the moneylenders. He causes absolute mayhem. You know, these were the people who were robbing the ordinary people who were coming to worship God at the temple. These were the ones who were saying, no, your offering isn't acceptable. This, this sacrifice isn't acceptable. But we can give you what you need to get into God's good books, but you have to pay. There's a charge. And so they were preventing the ordinary people from coming and worshipping their God. They were making money out of people who were having to come. These were the requirements of the law. They had no option but to come, and they were stopping these ordinary people coming and worshipping God. And so he turns the tables over and he says this, it's written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. And of course, this was sanctioned by the religious teachers, the Pharisees, I'm sure they were getting their own little cut from what was being uh, sold in the temple. And then it says, in verse 14, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. So not only is Jesus being welcomed into the city and honored, not only has he turned the tables over in the temple, But now he has the audacity to heal the sick 
the lame, the blind, right in front of all the religious people. And they are offended by this. God himself is standing in front of them, the Messiah that they have been waiting for. And the religious leaders, the ones who know the scriptures and are supposed to be teaching the people how to recognize the Messiah when he comes, are the very ones who are saying, this man, this man is not of God. They called the miracles he did works of Satan. How, how far away from the truth can you get? To see God performing miracles in front of your very eyes and yet deny it and say that's not God. These were the people who should have known better, who should have recognized Jesus. And yet they chose not to because they were afraid of losing their political power. Again, if we go down to um, verse 23, the Pharisees begin to question Jesus. And it's interesting because this time they're not saying, you don't have the authority. They're recognizing that Jesus carries authority. They're recognizing that he's doing these things, that he teaches the way other people don't. Certainly, the religious leaders don't have the authority that Jesus has. But they're saying, we don't believe it. We don't believe in you. And so Jesus asks them a question. On whose authority did, G, did John the Baptist perform the miracles, baptize people? And they couldn't answer. So it's into this whole situation that we have this parable of the two sons. It's also where we have a few verses that seem quite odd when we think of Jesus, we always think of him being loving and kind and giving people another chance. But actually, sometimes he spoke very severely and very strictly. He challenged those around him. You know, some people say, oh, I would love to have been around when Jesus was around. Wouldn't that have been wonderful to actually have been able to follow him and, and things? And I think, well, he told them to go and feed 5,000 people when they had no food. He told them to calm a storm and then berated them for not having the faith to do the things he was asking them to do. I think I'm quite glad I wasn't around then. But we have this strange-seeming story. Beginning at verse 18, it says, Early in the morning, as he was on his way back to the city, Jesus was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. 
Immediately, the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So why did Jesus curse the fig tree and make it wither? Well, the fig tree was always used as a symbol for the nation of Israel. And this fig tree had lots of leaves. It looked really attractive. So Jesus, being hungry, went to the fig tree expecting to find fruit. But when he got there, he discovered that there was no fruit. It looked good. It looked amazing. But actually, there was no fruit. It was not fulfilling the purpose for which it had been made. You know, the the interesting thing about fig trees is that there's fruit and then at the same time there are the buds that will become the fruit the following year. So there's, you can tell how, how healthy the fig tree is because it should be bearing fruit and have the buds for the following year's fruit. So when Jesus went to the fig tree and found it had nothing. He didn't, he didn't just curse it because, well, it's, it's not bearing fruit at the moment, but it will. He cursed it because not only was it not bearing fruit, it had no possibility of bearing fruit. It was not going to bear fruit in the future either. And so he cursed it. You see, we aren't created in his image just to look good. We are created in his image to bear fruit. And the way we do that is to stay close to him, stay connected. Remember that passage where Jesus talks about, I'm the vine, you are the branches? Bear fruit, fruit that will last. You do that by being connected to the vine. And then we get to the parable of the two sons. So let's read this again. What do you think? And remember, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law here. I just, I love the way Jesus says things sometimes. I think we miss the humor in scripture because we we don't always get the language and the context. So he's saying to these teachers of the law, the religious people, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, 
I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. It's so interesting, isn't it? Can you imagine being the <laughs> one of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and having Jesus say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of heaven before you. These people who prided themselves on keeping all the laws and all the rules because they thought that was the way that they would get into heaven. But they had completely missed the point. The keeping of the rules and the keeping of the laws was not to get them into heaven. It was to show them their need of a saviour. The saviour who was standing right in front of them and declaring, those that you look down on, the sinners, they are entering the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. And so we have this story of these two sons. He went to the first, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. You see, that is a picture of those who may have heard the gospel, maybe grew up in church but went away. They know that there's something else, but they, they decide, I don't want it. That's not for me. But then at some point in the future, they go, actually, I think that's right. And where it says here that the son changed his mind and went, it's actually the same word that's used for repent. A complete 180 degree turn. And it's so clear here. The son said, no, I won't go. I won't work for you. And then he changes his mind completely. He repents and he turns and he does the exact opposite and he goes and does the will of his father. There comes a point in each of our lives, whether we've grown up in church, whether we've heard the message of the gospel, whatever our background is, there comes a point in each of our lives where we have to say, Father, I'm going to do your will. I surrender my life to you. I'm going to follow you from now on. And we go in obedience and we do the work that the Father has for us. The second son says, when the father asks him, will you go and work in the vineyard? He says, I will, sir, 
I will, sir. That word sir is the same word that's used for the word Lord. So outwardly, the second son is saying, I'll do whatever you say, God. You're my Lord, I'll do whatever you say. But then, the second son doesn't go. Doesn't it remind you of that scripture? In, I think it's Matthew 7, 21. Not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, we can look good on the outside like the fig tree. We can come to church. We can raise our arms in worship. We can give money to the poor. We can spend our lives working for others, looking good. And yet we are not obeying what our Heavenly Father asks us to do. Because our lives aren't surrendered to Him. Outwardly, we look the part, but inwardly our hearts are far from Him. And I just want to challenge you today. Where is your heart today? Where is your heart in relation to the Lord? Is it surrendered to him? Have you come to that point of surrender? Of giving your life totally to him? It's a choice that each one of us has to make. It doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. It doesn't matter how many people think you're a Christian. What matters is what's going on on the inside. Are you submitted to your Heavenly Father? Is He Lord, not just in word, but in deed? There's a, a saying, isn't there? Walk the walk not just talk the talk. You know, many of us are really good at talking the talk. But we're not so good at walking the walk. We're great in church on Sunday, but how are we on Monday? On Tuesday, on Wednesday? If we went to your workplace, your college, your family, and we asked them about you, would they know that you're a Christian? Would they know? Because there's supposed to be something different about us when we say we follow the Lord. It's a challenge, isn't it? Are we going to be the son who maybe said no, but then goes and does it? Or are we going to be the son who says yes, looks good, but actually isn't following the Lord at all? The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, were the ones who should have been pointing the nation of Israel towards Jesus, the Messiah. If they'd been close to their Heavenly Father, they would have recognized Jesus. 
would have welcomed him with open arms. But they were so caught up in their own world, their own way of doing, their own way of living, that they failed to recognize the Son of God when he stood right in front of them. Do we recognize the Son of God when he stands in front of us and speaks? Or are we too caught up in our own way of doing things? You know, when Jesus comes and lives within us, he transforms us from the inside out, not the outside in. As I come to finish, I just want to tell you the story of a little girl who's Um, parents had invited the visiting speaker over for lunch. So on the Sunday morning, she got up early and she helped to set the table and put the flowers in the vase and made it all look so pretty. And she was really excited that the, the visiting speaker was going to come and have a meal with them. And she went to church and the service seemed to drag on forever. And then her mum and dad and the visiting speaker kept talking, kept talking to other people, and she was getting really frustrated, and she kept saying, can we go, can we go, can we go? That never happens here, does it? No. And she was beginning to get really angry, so eventually they got home. But then they were talking again, and they're having coffee, and and she's getting really frustrated, but I want you to come and see the table, because I spent ages putting it out and putting the flowers in the vase and it all looks really pretty. Yes, yes, we'll, we'll be there, we'll be there. Well, she got so frustrated and so angry that eventually when they all came into the dining room and, and sat down, she stood on her chair. And her dad said, now, you need to sit down. She said, I am so angry, I'm not sitting down. No, you need to sit down. We're going to eat now. I'm not sitting down. You've spent ages. I've waited for you, and you took forever to come. I'm not sitting down. And her dad said, either you sit down, or you won't get any dinner. So she sat down, and she... Bottom lip stuck out, really angry. And she said, I may be sitting down on the outside but I'm standing up on the inside. You know, isn't that how we can be? We follow all the rules. We try and look good on the outside. But inside, we can be full of anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. And the Lord is saying, I'm not interested in what you look like on the outside. It's your heart that I'm after. I want your heart. Jesus wants our whole lives. He wants us to be surrendered to him totally. And he wants us to surrender every area of our life to him. Not just the outward, but what's going on on the inside too. So, Think about this parable of the two sons. 
Which son are you? Which son do you want to be? I want to ask you that you will just spend some time this week. Draw aside. We've had that call over and over again this morning. Draw aside. Examine the state of your heart. Examine your relationship with the Lord. And ask him, Lord, do I look good on the outside, but not on the inside? Because I know I'd rather look good to him on the inside and not really care what the outside looks like. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at lockingcastlechurch.org.